Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director, and this is The Daily DC. Thanks so much for listening. Today on the podcast... To quote the president of the United States, what the hell is going on? That may be a a question that Donald Trump has asked in a different context. But if you observe the president in the last 24 hours, you have seen a president searching, searching for some sense of stronger footing beneath him. I think what you are witnessing is a president who is more concerned than he would like to admit about his reelection prospects. And as I had mentioned the other day, if you thought the way the president was going to behave under the microscope of the Mueller investigation was the most sort of extreme it could get in terms of his outlandish attempts to divert, distract, control the narrative with the economy or economic outlook beginning to waver just a bit, that there may be some negative economic news on the horizon. This, he understands, is the bedrock of what support he has. Yes, his most loyal base, as he says, he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and they wouldn't mind. Yes. But in terms of actually winning re-election, his loyal base is not enough, and he knows that. And that is where the economy comes in as the strongest factor he's got if he is going to put together the 270 electoral votes. And if there begin to be cracks in that, that can upend this whole Trump presidency in many ways. And I think what we saw... On the South Lawn today when he was departing to go to Kentucky, what we've seen on Twitter in the last 24 hours, whether it is his being all over the map on background checks in the aftermath of El Paso and Dayton and his conversation with the NRA where he reportedly took universal background checks off the table after saying that he wanted to do meaningful background checks. Today, again, saying he still has an appetite for background checks, but that it seems There's no actual policy or proposal that he is trying to rally Republicans around. His comments about Jewish disloyalty, that if you are Jewish and vote Democratic, you are somehow disloyal to Jews and to Israel, reviving a a well-known anti-Semitic trope about Jews having dual loyalty. His intention to have indefinite detention of migrant families sort of get rid of the Flores decision that 
said that within 20 days, that that was sort of the maximum detention for minors. And this is what was at the heart of when the administration initially put in its zero tolerance policy that when they were prosecuting every border crossing criminally, that would inevitably separate families, which the administration had acknowledged was a deterrence goal of theirs or a deterrence tactic of theirs. Now the notion is, well, no, everybody's saying we shouldn't separate families. He's the one that now says he wants to keep families together, of course, together in indefinite detention without necessarily all the needs met of those detained migrants. And then, of course, the clear missed economic moments here where he is he's clearly concerned about the economy, but still wants to talk it up because If you're president of the United States, you're not talking about stimulus measures like urging the Fed to lower interest rates or talking about a potential payroll tax deduction or a payroll tax holiday. You don't talk about those kinds of stimulative measures if you don't think the economy needs to be stimulated. So he wants to have it both ways. He wants to be able to paint the economy as great and humming along really well and not give any credence to this notion that he thinks is a partisan and media-driven idea that the economy is weakening because it'll hurt him politically. Obviously, that's not the case. There are several, many economists out there with concerns about certain warning signs that the economy could be softening. He doesn't want to acknowledge that, but he does want to press for all these stimulative measures, basically to ensure that that doesn't happen. But one doesn't do that if you don't think that is happening. So clearly mixed messages on the economy. And then, of course, the ultimate distraction of it all, this whole notion of canceling his trip to Denmark and his meeting with the prime minister there over the fact that she wouldn't discuss at all the sale of Greenland. And of course, he revived today on the South Lawn a a word that he very often uses when referring to women specifically, calling the prime minister's comments nasty about the way that she discussed it. He did not like the use of the word absurd. He thought that was the wrong word. So this sort of last 24 hours of the Trump show, I think, can't be assessed in any other way than to say this is someone who is clearly trying to distract perhaps from a potentially weakening economy. This is somebody who's clearly trying to consume all the oxygen, as Donald Trump so successfully has done throughout the 15 and 16 campaign, and at times in his presidency, just trying to be the only voice out there driving the narrative, having everyone react to what he's saying. It also, I should note, is a perfect example And this is where I say all the time that I think he elevates Joe Biden's standing in the Democratic nomination race because, you know, just this week, Biden launched the ad calling him uh, an erratic bully versus strong, stable leadership. That's the frame that Joe Biden is running on. And Donald Trump plays into that in moments like this. Now, there are a couple of things I do want you to hear from the president himself on this today. First, I do want you to hear after he was uh, tweeting about these comments about Jewish disloyalty. I want you to hear the president in his own words, you know, father of Ivanka Trump and father-in-law of Jared Kushner, two of his closest advisors inside the White House who are very observant and religious Jews. And here is what 
President Trump reasserted again today when asked about his comments about Jewish loyalty and voting for Democrats. They want to take away foreign aid to Israel. They want to do a lot of bad things to Israel. In my opinion, you vote for a Democrat, you're being very disloyal to Jewish people and you're being very disloyal to Israel. And only weak people would say anything other than that. Now, Bernie Sanders had a clever response where he pushed back on that, as did many political opponents of the president. But Bernie Sanders said he was a, of course, offended as a Jewish American, but b fully intended on voting for a Jewish American as president of the United States, referring to himself and not at all thinking that that's disloyal in any way to Jewish people or the state of Israel. This notion of inserting partisan politics into how people perceive U.S.-Israel relations, what policy positions they take. A, his verbiage just doesn't match up with the facts, right? So overwhelmingly, according to exit polls, Jews in America, self-identified Jews in the exit polls in 2016 voted Democratic, in 2018 overwhelmingly voted Democratic. So he is actually speaking in a way against the behavior of the majority, uh, vast majority of American Jews. So uh, he just is contradictory to the facts as they present themselves for the way voters behave. Now, if he wants to call all those voters somehow disloyal to Israel or disloyal to Judaism, that's his right to do so. I don't think it's going to win him over any more of those voters. I think that is a, again, perhaps a base play, perhaps to evangelical Christians, pro-Israel evangelical Christians who are wholeheartedly in the president's camp. Comments like this may make them all the more dedicated to the president. But if you're trying to bring any of those Jewish votes who voted Democratic back to your viewpoint, my guess is this is not the way to do that. And then, of course, there was this other comment as it, in his talking about China and his taking on China. He spoke in almost a a messianic way. And I want you to hear the president in his own words, patting himself on the back, but also talking about being called for this moment to take on China. Here's President Trump. This is a trade war that should have taken place a long time ago by a lot of other presidents. Over the last five or six years, China's made $500 billion. $500 billion. Ripped it out of the United States. And not only that, if you take a look, intellectual property theft, add that to it and add a lot of other things to it. So somebody, excuse me, somebody had to do it. I am the chosen one. Somebody had to do it. So I'm taking on China. I'm taking on China on trade. I am the chosen one. This is... Somewhat, this evokes a little bit his convention speech in Cleveland. I alone can fix it, but perhaps with a bit more of divine intervention. I am the chosen one. Speaking of Judaism, that is clear language, religious language uh, about being the chosen one in that way. And listen, Donald Trump standing up to China. This is actually an area where you probably can see some of the Obama-Trump voters not drifting away from him, but coming back to him. Some of the Rust Belt Reagan Democrats. I mean, you have to remember, over the course of the last 10 years, 
some of the most successful democratic campaigns, especially in the Rust Belt, were won by advertising about how tough they were going to be on China. This is an appealing part for a swath of Americans that nece- that may not necessarily be part of his reliable base, but but actually part of the pool of voters beyond his base that delivered him the presidency. Just amazing to hear him use these words that somehow he had been chosen for this moment to take on China. By the way, as the China trade war goes on, you heard the president yesterday in the in the Oval Office make clear he understands that there even may be short term pain but that it is going to be worth it in the long run. So he is telling Americans who are hurting economically, farmers or others who are hurting economically because of the trade war, yeah, you you are going to hurt economically, but sometime down the road it'll be worth it. That's a that's a tough political message to sell and he made no bones about that yesterday. All of this, this last sort of 24 hours of 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 the president's performance We have a brand new poll out today. Go to CNN.com slash politics. Look at it. But it has his approval rating at 40 percent, ticked down a couple points, but well within the margin of error where it's been. Again, sort of consistent Trump approval rating uh, hovering around 40 percent. This poll has him at 40 percent. And it does still have him performing better in approval on his handling of the economy. But what this poll shows is that. You know, yes, two thirds of Americans have a positive outlook on the economy, but that that is down for the first time in the Trump presidency. For the very first time in the Trump presidency, we are seeing Americans in fewer numbers say that the how they perceive the economy, where they think the economy will be from a year from now, their economic outlook is on the decline. We have never we have not seen that in the course of the Trump presidency, it had always been an ascending number. And now we're seeing it on the decline. And again, this, I think, more than anything, explains what we're seeing from the president over the last 24 hours. That does it for this edition of The Daily DC. Thank you all so much for listening. Hope you'll tune in again right here tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.